Hello and welcome to Leaders Call to Adventure, the show for those that take the road less traveled. I'm Lori Ference. Last episode, I mentioned that I was dropping that phrase from the show, The Road Less Traveled. However, upon further consideration, reflection, and a chat with a friend, I decided that I'm reclaiming it because it's a term that people can understand. It creates context for what we're doing here. It's an entry point. It's a way of understanding what this podcast is about. In a previous episode, speaking with Bobby Nickel Cote, I became inspired to sign up for the Lost Soul Ultra, a hundred mile race in the Coolies near Lethbridge, Alberta. I'd heard a lot of great things about the race, including the wonderful aid station food, and was looking forward to getting back to the land where I grew up. I recently decided to withdraw from that race. Back in the fall, after several months of rest and really paring down my running, I started to pick up the running again. I felt fine for the most part. However, I just didn't seem to have the mojo to increase my training load that much and that quickly. But as time went by, I started adding a bit of distance. And then I had a pretty significant jump up in my distance. I started doing back-to-back runs and was feeling pretty good, especially when I was out running with friends. The longer distances didn't seem to bother me that much. However, I found that during my training week, I was feeling depleted. I was not really loving the running and was asking myself, well, what does my body need? And what it felt it needed was more yoga, more cross training, more strength training, ways of building my body back up and to, well, I don't know, repair, but to strengthen muscles that weren't being used as much. And I do feel my body is out of balance. And even though I can go out and run for 40 kilometers with a friend on the weekend, I also want to feel good whenever I run during the week. The timing of the race not working out, I mean, I could easily sign up for another 100 miler this year. There are plenty of them around and local ones as well. And I'm not. And it's an interesting process because when you're in a community like this and like this, I mean, the ultra running community, friends often ask, so what are you training for? Uh, What's your next race? And maybe it's an internal thing. I don't know, but it seems like there's always an expectation that you have to be training for something when you're doing this, especially when you're logging the kind of mileage that we do as ultra runners, that you're training for something. Now, I, like I said, I, I, I dropped that race from my schedule. So what am I training for? Well, I'm training for my, my health, my well-being, my fitness. I'm training for feeling good in my body. And maybe I'm not training for anything. <laughs> maybe I'm just running when I feel like it. <laughs> yeah, actually, that sounds much more accurate. I'm running when I feel like it. And when I feel like it happens to be more than most people probably. That means most people who aren't involved in 
the ultra running scene. <laughs> I'm running. And when I feel inspired or when a friend invites me on a run and it sounds like a fun adventure, then I, depending on what's going on, I join in. I've decided that I want to maintain enough fitness so that when those opportunities come along, somebody asked me to go running for several hours in a beautiful place on a beautiful day. Well, usually the invite comes before the beautiful day, but <laughs> you never know what you're going to get for the weather. But essentially, I want to be ready to run when I'm inspired to run. I am attracted to the adventure and to exploration. And I really do love being out with friends, exploring and experiencing the beauty of nature and a sunny day and being active and the companionship. I really, really enjoy it. On Friday, I went on a 20, well, it was supposed to be a 25K waterfall run. The area around Hamilton, Ontario is quite famous for the number of waterfalls in a semi-urban area. Well, I say semi-urban because it never really feels like you're in the city and you're not. You're really on the outskirts in the area surrounding when you are seeing these waterfalls. However, they are very accessible. And I've seen probably all of them during various runs in the past, but I'd never seen them in this way. In other words, I'd never seen one after another joined up by a trail or maybe a small road section or maybe a longer road section or maybe a longer trail section. So it was like discovering them anew. And there were people there that I'd never met before. So there was a, an element of meeting new people, of enjoying a beautiful day and of seeing really lovely places in the spring. I don't know why I'm telling you all this about this run. All I know is that I had a good time and if I'm training for anything, if anybody asks me what I'm training for, if there's an answer to that, it's I'm training for that. I love the experience and that's why I'm doing it. I'm listening. Well, there's that term, listening to my body. I know that if I don't run at all, of course, getting back to running will be hard. <laughs> But I got to notice what's going on too, you know, like with my gait, I noticed some weird sort of propensities of things that I'm doing. And I figure that if I strength train, if I especially strengthen my glutes, that probably my form will improve, uh, certain muscles like my piriformis that are getting strained and stressed will not because other muscles will kick in and be firing. I have heard from friends the benefits of strength training, of cross training, and the gains that they've made by having a stronger body overall. Of course, there's the philosophy, just run. And I believe that works for some people too. However, you have to listen to what works for you. And what works for me seems to be a mix. And the yoga is a key component. And not only for the physical aspect, but for the mental, emotional, spiritual aspects of it as well. Of being quiet and connected and tuning into the body. Because sometimes with the running, things hurt and you just want to ignore them. You want to forget about them. You don't want to tune in. You just want to keep going. And sometimes those things go away, which is interesting as well. Another part of it. 
Also, as I mentioned before, that after the 100 miler, I took some time to focus on other aspects of my life and to have the freedom to decide what I would do with those hours that I wasn't training. On a personal level, things had changed in my life as well with my daughter moving away and having to be more present for my son. Well, let's just put it this way, feeling that I wanted to spend time with him and be present for him, especially when she wasn't around anymore. So she's around, but she's not living here. And before when it used to be time for my kids to hang out, that's not the case anymore. And being more present for my son has become more important, even though he's getting older and would probably rather just be hanging with his friends. a whole bunch of the time. And he does do that. He does do that. And other things, you know, just other priorities. You know, I know people out there do it all. They train hard. They run competitively. They have full-time jobs. They have family life. And I'm not saying that's not possible. I just know that for me, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I don't want to feel that it's all a push. And I want my running to be a source of stress relief and enjoyment and not something I have to do. So how does all this relate to my guest this week? Well, I think it'll become obvious when I introduce her. I'm speaking with Eleanor Fish, who is the founder of Run Wild Retreats and Wellness. I came across Eleanor's Facebook page noticing a couple of ultra runner friends liking the page. I checked it out and I saw that her company leads people on trail running retreats in really inspiring and beautiful places in the world. And I was intrigued. Of course, it speaks to my adventurer ultra runner heart. (laughs) Naturally. And I was also impressed and curious about the approach she takes in operating these retreats, specifically her focus on mindful running. As the former editor of Trail Runner magazine, Eleanor had the intention when she started the company to introduce the sport of trail running to more women. The trail retreats became really popular and grew and evolved beyond teaching trail running into focusing on what women found most beneficial about running. Let's just say this. She has a very deep experience with running and trail running, being one of the first adapters to the sport in Canada, which took her to being the editor for (laughs) the sports premier magazine in the United States. So, and then on to this company, which helps thousands of people make running a mindful practice. And so I reached out to Eleanor with the intention of finding more about what that is and her own path to operating this company, how she got here. I think you'll find it interesting and inspiring. The phrase comes to mind, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. 
So this conversation will be of particular interest to trail and ultra runners, of course, but also to entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs about how the path of entrepreneurship can unfold, how one can bring their passions, their talents, their strengths, their background and experience into their business to create something that is not only personally fulfilling, but is also deeply in service to others. So for now, let's just go to the conversation with Eleanor, who just returned back from leading a trail running retreat in Spain. So are you just getting your feet back on the ground? I guess you just got back from Spain, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And how was that? It was great. It was a really awesome, awesome trip. So, yeah, it's um, it was the third time we've done this retreat, and it was really, really beautiful. Um, just, you know, it's an amazing part of Europe. It's one of my favorite spots to go. And we just had an awesome group and really fantastic weather. And it was it was a lot of fun. So oh, sounds so good. What made you decide to choose that particular area? Well, um, I had first gone there in 2011 on an assignment for Trail Runner magazine mm-hmm. to write about it. Um, uh, and this local guy who was starting a running guiding company in that area named Pablo. And, um, we just had a fabulous time and I, I wrote a big feature article about his company, about what it was like, uh, running in this part of Spain. And, um, and that, that article really helped to launch his business back then. And, you know, a few years later, I decided to focus full time on on starting my own travel company, doing small group uh, trail running tours. And um, so he was, uh, you know, one of the first people I partnered with to to really pr- create a program in this destination that he knows so well and knows all these little trails that no one else knows about. And uh, so we worked together to create this amazing itinerary and this, and and, uh, this retreat experience. So um, yeah, so it's, 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 you know, and that's kind of how each one of our retreats emerges. It's, it's always a combination of the right people in the right destination and a place I've, I've had some experience and can honestly say like this place is worth, (laughs) worth going trail running. Um, it's, it's, it's spectacular. So yeah, Mm. it kind of evolves like that. That sounds wonderful. So you said it's the third time you've done it in this particular location. Yeah. 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 And are you planning more, uh, here? I don't see it on your, on your, uh, itinerary for next year, but are you, uh, yes, it's the Mediterranean oh, oh, okay. running retreat. Oh, the Mediterranean one, right? Okay. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. Right. So that's right. an annual. It's an annual event. Right. And are you usually going on most of those retreats? Are you facilitating them or? Um, well, I have. Uh, there's myself, and we have one other uh, retreat leader, and uh, so she will be, actually be leading that retreat next year along with a few others Mm -hmm. so I I'm I have been leading all the retreats but now we're as the company is growing um I've been training this uh, another woman to also lead some of them right because you have your whole mindful running approach right that yes that's I guess the, the sort of the governing aspect to the experience 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. a really key component to it. It's not just about travel. It's not just about the trail running. It's uh, it, it's really about this process of, of inner exploration as well as exploring a new destination. So that's a really important component of the whole uh, retreat experience and that we've infused into every single one of our trips. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's really important to me that the retreat leader who works in partnership with the guides, uh, the retreat leader be very, um, uh, you know, have a really strong uh, grasp on these mindful running principles and how to teach them in this kind of uh, environment, in this setting where we're traveling and running every day. You know, it's a lot to coordinate logistically and then also to really help the group kind of uh, uh, you know find the time and energy to to reflect back on their experiences and then talk about those experiences and and really zero in on what they can teach us about ourselves Mm, interesting so do you offer I don't know sort of a reflection period after after the day's run, or how does that work in terms of the structure of your day and the well, experience? And we have these uh, these wellness workshops, and so there isn't time in the itineraries to do it every single day. But uh, w- so we have a, a meeting at the on the first day of the retreat and a closing meeting on, at the very end of the retreat, and then between those first and last days, these seven day itineraries or four day with our domestic retreats, um, we have three wellness workshops. And during those workshops, we will take a, a key concept from my, uh, like a key mindfulness concept. And then we will examine that concept in the context of running mm. and, and really, yeah, use, use the running experience as an avenue to see how this applies to ourselves, uh, like how we can in, in, incorporate this into um, how we approach our day, how we approach our running, because how we approach our running reflects a lot on how we uh, approach our stress, our self-care, <laughs> our priorities, our values, all these things. Right. So, yeah. Would you say that your own personal journey, I know that you had some health issues at one point, mm-hmm. would you say that that really, that sort of self-reflection and your own quest to heal yourself led you to that process? Absolutely. I, I, if I, ha- like I had to kind of change my own relationship to my, <laughs> to my mind and my emotions and my stress in order to overcome the health issues that they had created, you know, because for too long, I, I, I just pushed myself physically and mentally, um, pushed myself to do more, get faster, get better, accomplish more, do it all. And, it was completely unsustainable, but I didn't realize how unsustainable it was until I was uh, sick and exhausted and diagnosed with autoimmune disease and and just a complete um, useless puddle. Wow! <laughs> and it's like you can't do that, you know. I've I've got a career. I've I've got you know. At the time, I had employers. I had clients. I, you know, have had a young son. He's older now, but you know, it was like all these things. It's like, well, I'm not good to anybody like this. Like, Mm. this is ridiculous. Mm. So, um, I had to change the way I was doing things, 
um, in order to find a better balance, a healthier balance. Well, how did you, you know? wake up to that? Like, how did you develop mm -hmm. those tools? What was the process in finding that? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I think like like anything, it's kind of trying a lot of things and seeing what really works. Because for a while there, so really, I really kind of focus in, for the sake of illustrating the story, it really helps to just kind of focus in on this one particular period uh, of my life. Uh, like, I think it was the summer of 2011, where I was just, I just completely uh, cratered uh, in, uh, energetically. I was just absolutely tapped out, drained, exhausted, like could not deal. Mm. <laughs> um, I wasn't sleeping. I, I just, every little issue or or problem it felt like the end of the world I couldn't deal with anything and um very short-tempered and just impossible to, <laughs> to be around if you were to ask my husband right, yeah. and so uh so I was just a wreck and so then I thought all right I'm gonna get healthy I'm gonna you know do whatever it takes to you know get over this and um and so then I tried to, you know, in my typical way at that time, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to fix my diet. I'm going to eat like the perfect diet. Mm. Okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, do, I'm going to meditate every day. Oh, and I'm going to do all these exercises. I'm going to do more yoga. And and I, I kind of attacked the problem with <laughs> all these other things to do. Mm. <laughs> and... You know, obviously that didn't, that actually added to my stress because I was trying to be so regimented and so strict with myself and, and said, I'm going to discipline myself out of this problem. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work. No. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And and so I was taking my same mentality of like, go, 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 do more, do more, do more, uh, trying to apply that same mentality to, to uh, fixing the problem. It wasn't really addressing the true problem, which was just how I was living my life and, and how I had to just stop the insanity of always expecting myself to to do more than was physically possible. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's when I really just turned to, okay, what if I just did one thing and just let everything else go? Mm. Just did one thing. And I decided that that one thing was meditation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of, I talk more about mindfulness than meditation because mindfulness you can apply to anything, whereas meditation people typically associate with just a seated practice. Right. And I'll admit, like, uh, it doesn't come easy to me to do a seated meditation practice. It's so hard. Right. It's so hard. But then I found that I could practice mindfulness while I was running, I could practice mindfulness while I was walking the dog, washing the dishes, um, just doing kind of my normal everyday routine stuff. And I just learned to be way more aware of what was going on in my body. How tired am, am I today? What is my stress level? Is this situation triggering a stress response in me and, and recognizing that and saying, okay, look, you're getting really worked up about this. Maybe the problem isn't as bad as it feels. Let's focus on diffusing the the emotion, the heat that I could feel building in, in my body. And I would just kind of let myself deal with that first 
deal with the stress response before even trying to intellectually deal with the issue that mm. was triggering it. And and re- really like being able to differentiate between those two things, between the actual problem and how I was responding to the problem just changed everything for me because then I realized like, hey, <laughs> I can actually, I can deal with this in such a healthier way if I just focus on um, on noticing how I was responding, letting myself kind of cool off, like literally cool down <laughs> and um, get clear headed and not, you know, not uh, beat myself up for for feeling so upset about whatever it is and then um and then not deal with the problem until I truly was in a more objective or clear thinking space and so in that way that was a big turning point with my running because then running became part of the solution not part of the problem Hmm. before every time I you know I would run 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 and I was just getting more and more tired and like like physically broken down my body was so exhausted okay now every time I go for a run I'm refreshing my brain. I'm resetting my hormones. I'm oxygenating my body. I'm healing, and it became it just it became a totally different um, thing in my life. It you know, serves me in such a different way, and I'm just so grateful to be running do, still. Do, do you think part <laughs> of that was a recovery? When was your hundred miler that you had and that, that you felt so exhausted after? Yeah. Well, yeah. that so that was in the summer of 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had done you know, a couple of 50s and, you know, trained a lot. And I wasn't training an excessive amount. Like, I've always been a very, I would say, like, on the low end of the spectrum um, when it comes to, to mileage and training. And um, so, but, but it was a lot to deal with because in addition to training for the 100 miler, I had a toddler. Right. I had a full-time job that was, and I just was like, keep it together, keep it together, just just you can do it you can do it and and I thought I had it all under control um but the fact that I did not recover physically after that race um was a sign of just how depleted I was and I didn't I didn't appreciate you know really what it meant I thought oh I'm just tired I just need a little bit more time and then it's like nine months later and I'm mm-hmm. still tired like I felt as if I had just run the hundred miler mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought this isn't right mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be like this. were you still running after that in your recovery or did you really take was, time off I was running less and less because I just didn't have the energy Like I would try to go for a run with friends and I was just like off the back. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking to my retreat groups about this, you know, I, I, I use this as a point of illustration for this concept that we can be fit Mm -hmm. and be unhealthy. Mm. So in the aftermath of that race, I was very fit, but I was not healthy. Mm. So it's like untangling those two concepts and say, let's take a look here at what's really going on. Like, what does it mean to be fit versus healthy? Are we compromising our health in the pursuit of fitness? Hmm. And is that worth it? <laughs> it seems sort of you know? counterintuitive, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's worth asking those questions. Yeah. Especially because so many of the women I meet doing this work um, are very driven, hardworking, smart uh, women. Um 
and they are ambitious. They have big goals and they want to pursue them and they, sh- they should be able to do that. But then they get frustrated. They say, what am I doing wrong? Why am I getting more tired instead of more fit? Why am I so unmotivated? Uh, I signed up for this big, hairy goal of a race, and I'm struggling to get out the door to stick to my training plan. You know, why am I being so lazy? And so, you know, it's interesting to kind of explore that. And the first thing I say is, well, what else is going on in your life? Right, right, right. Let's look at the whole picture, you know, because Mm -hmm. we can't separate these things. Mm -hmm. We can't separate our uh, personal and professional lives from our from our physical activity and expect ourselves to perform at a high level uh, in our sports when we're dealing with so much um, stress and overwhelm in other parts of our lives. Right. Did you feel that, you think, before you said you were doing 50 milers, but do you think the 100 was the tipping point or was it just mm. everything... That, that was surrounding that with all of the responsibilities that you had and having a young a toddler at home and all of those things? Yeah, I think it was a tipping that? point. You know, it was, it was a gradual buildup of more and more and more. And, and uh, yeah, and so it, it definitely all reached a point where uh, I couldn't ignore the signs anymore. Mm-hmm. I couldn't ignore them. I, I just kept thinking, oh, I just need an extra day's rest or, oh, I just need to get a good night's sleep or I just need a week of drinking vegetable juice. You know, like, <laughs> you know, we're always looking for the quick fix, yeah. thinking, oh, I just need this one thing and then I can get back to my, you know, ridiculously fast-paced routine. Right. No, I needed a new routine. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't sound like you're any less busy now. You've got a lot oh, going my on. Gosh. Right? So. I know. It's true, right? Like if you're if you're exhausted and overwhelmed, probably the worst thing to do is to become an entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> and yet somehow that's what I did. Right. And so <clears throat> it's funny because I'm I'm I have different uh I have I have lower lower stress tolerance now than I think any other time in my life. Well, I shouldn't say that because I have a much better understanding of how I respond to stress. And so I can recognize sooner Mm -hmm. when my stress levels are getting too high and I need to give myself a break. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I feel like I, I can't do as much as I used to do. I can't drive myself as hard, but I, I think, um, I think what's really happening, though, is that um, I'm accomplishing more by doing less. Mm. Like, I don't work eight, nine-hour days. I just can't. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm trying to focus in, uh, as far as my business goes, on just what is most important and forget the rest. Right. And it's definitely taken me some discipline to do that because I wanted to do everything. You know, I wanted to be everywhere in terms of marketing and I wanted to serve everyone and, and offer all kinds of solutions to all kinds of problems. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's not do that. Let's just focus in on one thing, one kind of experience, do it really well and just replicate what what's working and just say no to everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is working much better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
basically you make that decision based on what was working the best for you. Your process of talking about how you came to narrowing it down mm. to one thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a combination of two things of what is, what is most sustainable for me to do as a, as a business owner um, and the scope of what we do within the company, like what are we really all about? But then the other thing is what, what is having the biggest impact on the people that we serve? Mm. So like earlier on, I was trying to do a lot more mindful running education online Mm -hmm. and uh, like in a virtual setting as well as at the retreats. Mm -hmm. But what I found was that talking about this stuff to people online was just, it was less effective. Mm -hmm. Um, It was harder to keep people engaged. It was hard to really kind of deconstruct what was happening uh, internally and to really help people through the process. But what I found was that we, when we, when we talk about those same concepts while on the retreat and out there running on the trails together and having shared experiences and then talking about those shared experiences it was like oh yeah I totally get it um and so recognizing that the live retreats were just more impactful Mm -hmm. and uh and we're just serving our customers better, I decided to just forget about doing anything online and just focus on um, just developing the retreat programs and and duplicating them so that we could serve more people that way. Mm -hmm. And it's been so much more fun and rewarding for me too, so. Right, yeah. Now, do you focus mainly on the international retreats? I know you have a few domestic as well, but did you ever Mm -hmm. think about, you know, just doing local retreats where you are <laughs> there are tons of great running places well or... yeah I mean I yeah I've, I've done uh, retreats here in this valley where I live and um, I, I will do more in, in Colorado in this region but um, uh, the retreat experience I mean it, it really is about like stepping out of your everyday life okay and opening yourself to new things and, and part of what helps facilitate that process is going to a place that you are unfamiliar with, that you've not been to before. Mm. So it really forces you to get a little bit more out of your head and, and become more uh, aware of your surroundings because mm-hmm. it's new. You're seeing new things. You're, you're in a place that feels really different. And so I think that's one of the attractions of our Moab Mindful Running Retreat is that it's in this beautiful desert setting that is so, so unique and so different from what most of the country looks like. Yeah. Um, and so it, it really just helps you feel like uh, you're in someplace different. And so when we're there together and everyone's stepped outside of their everyday lives and routines, then they open themselves up to new, new things meaning new ideas, new ways of doing things. Um, you know, the trails there tend to be very different from what people are used to running. Um, and so so they're open to hearing what we have to say about, hey, here's how to here's how to pace yourself on a trail like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and 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 you know here's here's why changing your form, your running posture in this way can help you, while on this trail and that sort of thing. So that's really helpful. 
so, so definitely just that going to a new and different place is part of the experience. Right, right. So you kind of open up to something new and different and access perhaps a different part of yourself because it's not the habitual um, experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. Now, and also in embodying the experience, right? So what you said about the online experience. Now, at one point, I think, are you still coaching? Because isn't that part of what you offer? Are you not doing that anymore? No, no, we don't do any traditional run coaching. Okay. Um, we just focus on the mindful running curriculum, and we deliver that through the retreat experiences. Right. Okay. And then we also have the Healthy Runners community, which is an online community where we can further explore some of those mindful running concepts and have conversations around them. Plus, I have guest speakers come in and uh, discuss various aspects of mindfulness and health uh, with our community members at all, as well. And so that, that helps to further illuminate certain um, aspects of that curriculum. Okay, now the Healthy Runners, is that is that a separate website from your Run Wild yeah. Retreats? Okay. Well, what, that's right. That? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the healthyrunnerscommunity.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's, it's its own kind of um, social network. It's, it's a really wonderful platform that really help, makes it really easy to connect with other runners. It helps those of us that were on the retreats to stay connected with each other which is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, and just to have these conversations around these ideas of applying mindfulness to running and, uh, just have those conversations that, that aren't taking place in, in typical running <laughs> forums. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about shoes and training plans and splits and races and stuff like that. It's really more of a place to explore some of the other aspects of how running enriches our lives. Right. Okay. And is that a membership community or how exactly does it work? It's free mm -hmm. and anyone can request an invitation to join. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we we uh, approve like once you request your invitation, uh, then you get an approval, and then you can come on in and uh, come and join the conversations. Oh, very cool! I, I think I just found it here, so we'll include a link to that in the show notes for anybody that wants to get involved, and I guess they get a taste of what you're about and um, and the sort of things that you're teaching. Is that correct? Sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds really good. Now, just backing up here a little bit, because I know that, like me, you're Canadian. <laughs> I don't know if you still consider yourself Canadian, as you've been in the United States for a while now. Maybe you can tell me. But how how did you find yourself there? Yeah, well, I definitely am very proud to still be Canadian, though I've had my green card for quite some time and, and live here in Colorado now for 12 years. But uh I was living, I grew up in British Columbia, but I was living and working in Canmore, Alberta. Okay. For a long time, yeah. And uh, I grew up just outside of Calgary, so I spent oh, a lot did. of time. Awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So the Rocky Mountains, so beautiful. Right. So I'm still in the Rocky Mountains. They're just a little bit different down here, but right. <laughs> still the Rockies. Yeah. Um, and so I was living there, and uh, at the time, 
uh, was doing some tourism marketing consulting and then also freelance writing for running magazines about running and mm-hmm. trail running. Mm-hmm. And so I had submitted some some articles that were published by Trail Runner Magazine, which is based here in Carbondale, Colorado. And so I had had a working relationship with the editors there. And so when their, one of their editors was leaving and a job position came open, they invited me to come and interview for the job. And at the time, I just was really open to new opportunities. The timing kind of worked out well. So I thought, what the heck? This could be an adventure. I'll at least come down for the interview since they're offering to fly me to Aspen. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah, why so not? I, yeah, so I, I flew on down and um, had a great time. Part of the interview involved going for a trail run <laughs> on the local trails. Wow. The, al- the altitude really... <laughs> Uh, surprised me like the the thin air definitely (laughs) slowed me down but luckily not too much so that I didn't get the job because they offered me the job and so I worked as the managing editor at Trail Runner magazine for about four years Mm -hmm. that was starting in 2006 Mm -hmm. and so I really uh, enjoyed doing that and definitely stayed longer than I thought because I thought I would always return back to Canada. But, you know, life has a way of uh, taking you to in a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I had met my husband in 2007. And uh, so before I knew it, we were getting married and starting a family. And, and so I've been here ever since. Wow. So do you still have family in BC or Alberta? I, I do in mm-hmm. BC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents live in Trail, British Columbia. Yeah. And my brother and his family are in Nelson. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's great right. to still have uh, those Canadian connections and yeah. uh, still tons of friends back in Canmore. Yeah. So it's really Lots of great awesome. places to run up here too. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Runwild Retreat's um, operations manager works remotely, and she's based in Golden, British Columbia. So we're a very international team. It's really cool in this day and age to have a team that works remotely Mm -hmm. and, and really to have each person's location be irrelevant to us all being able to work together right. in a coordinated way. It's pretty cool. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you, how do you all get hmm. together? Are you meeting online or? Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. we have, uh, we have weekly Skype meetings mm-hmm. and we use online project management software to help us keep track of all the various projects uh, and retreats that we have coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, all the online tools available these days make it relatively easy to, to run a business this way. So I'm really grateful to have that, that kind of opportunity. The business itself, your business seems to, because of the nature of it and how you're traveling and it's international, that it really asks for a structure like that. But is that something that you responded to or was it something that you created because that's what you, how you preferred to work? Ah. Uh. Hmm. Well, I, it's definitely how I prefer to work in some regards. Uh, I mean, I miss some days I really miss kind of being in a space with other people and being able to have those kind of off the cuff conversations or brainstorming sessions. You know, those kinds of spontaneous conversations aren't as as easy to to have in this kind of a setting. But uh, 
but it really works well in other regards. Uh, I really like being able to work from, from home and, and have this kind of flexibility where I'm always here when my son gets home from, home from school. Mm-hmm. So I really like to being able to do that and being able to fit in bits of work around uh, family activities uh, is working really well for me. So I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. And yeah. how did you find your team members? Was it through your mm. experience with uh, Trail Runner Magazine or before that? Yeah, so it's a combination of things. So it definitely started, we have a, a guide network, uh, first off. So we work with locally based guides in each of the destinations in which we run. And a lot of those connections started with Trail Runner Magazine and then through one person, I would meet another person in another country, and then they would introduce me to another person in another country. And and so there's this whole network of people. And, and really, when you start to really zero in on uh, running guides <laughs> uh, in different countries, like it's a, actually a very small community of people. And right. everybody knows each other. <laughs> so we've really become a hub for these uh, these different people. Uh, and it's, so it's very much about those relationships and I'm, it's really a lot of fun to get to work with these people. And that was one of the things that motivated me to, to go into this business was that I got to choose who I worked with Mm -hmm. and I get to work with absolutely fantastic folks in all these different places. And I love getting to know their culture, their running culture, and just, you know, seeing how proud they are of their of their home and sharing all that enthusiasm with us and our clients is super fun. So there's that part of it. And then, uh, and then like our retreat, uh, retreat leaders uh, definitely are, are people that, um, that I get to know kind of through doing this business. And usually there's like a personal connection, uh, I've never hired someone who's like a complete stranger, you know, it's always kind of been these organic relationships that, uh, that there's some kind of thread, uh, that it, it has connected us through friends of a friend or the running community, this or that. Um, and yeah, so it, it's happened pretty organically in that right. way. Well, it sounds like you were really an early adopter to trail and ultra running. It's become a mm-hmm. lot more popular in, I'd say, the mm-hmm. last 10 years. But uh, I believe, didn't you start around the 2000s or so, around the year 2000? Yeah, yeah. that's right. So that's when uh, I, I moved to the Canadian Rockies, to Canmore, in 1999. And mm-hmm. it was right around that time, maybe it was 2000 or 2001, when the first Canadian mountain running championships was held in Canmore. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, and, and real that's really trail running was such a new sport at that time. And that was also around the time when the very first five peaks oh, trail yeah. race series mm-hmm. r- was being launched. Yep. And I was involved with those folks as well as a, as a competitor and just someone who was super geeking out on <laughs> all of that. And so I was doing those races and getting to know those race directors. And and, um, and so I really felt very fortunate that I was in one of the hot spots uh, for the birth of trail running as a sport in, in Canada around that time. And so it was really exciting to kind of see it really grow and blossom. And then when I moved to Colorado... I mean, there, there's some big races down here oh, that yeah. have been here, been going on for a lot longer. So 
it, the sport was just a lot more established. And so it was really an interesting perspective to get uh, to see how f- farther along the sport was down here relative to how it was just getting traction in popularity in Canada uh, a little bit earlier. So, yeah, it was really interesting to see how much it's changed and boomed over the years. Yeah, it's incredible. What got you to Canmore in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to be in the mountains. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I saw some photos. I saw some friends' photos of a wedding in Canmore, and I saw what the you know the ridge line of all those beautiful mountains around Canmore and Mm I so right after college I was working in a running shoe store going god what do I do with my life and then I saw those photos I'm like oh I'm gonna move to the Rocky Mountains oh wow (laughs) they're beautiful and so I moved there for the running essentially just for and I I moved there to work and I I got a job working at a outdoor store and um yeah, and then things kind of just evolved from there. Well, but what, how uh, did how did the writing all blossom from that? Right. Well, uh, I had always really enjoyed writing, and I was working in after working at the outdoor store for a little while. I got uh, a more professional job working for the local tourism bureau in media relations and marketing. So, marketing and media relations involves a lot of written communications. Uh, you know, writing content, press releases, working with the media. And uh, so I enjoyed writing a lot. And so I thought, oh, I'll submit some articles to a local magazine. <laughs> and uh, they they responded to my pitches and picked up my stories. And, and um, it just kind of grew from there. So did you ever envision yourself as a writer? What was your background mm-hmm. in college? Did you... Did you study that or was it just something that came? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's something I always enjoyed and I think I've, I've always had an aptitude for. And um, I studied geography and environmental studies in college uh, at the University of Victoria. Mm-hmm. And so I, so in studying those fields, it was, it was a lot about researching issues and being able to write papers communicating the the sides of those issues so so I, I think that um, that's something that I just I've always really enjoyed doing and and uh, you know still to this day writing whether it's writing for our web for the Runwald retreats website or writing as a guest guest columnist for a magazine uh, it's I, I love being able to take the time to really explore an idea really deeply, mm-hmm. flesh it out in an article, and then the process of editing and editing my own work to refine the thoughts uh, that go into that and take the take the reader from uh, from the beginning of the article where it really addresses the specific problem or, or pain point they might be having. And then by the end of that article, being able to conclude it with um, some actionable items that they can take or some kind of resolution or solution or reassurance that, um, you know, that, uh, that this can be solved or helped or improved or something. Um, I find incredibly, an incredibly gratifying, uh, 
process mm-hmm. and, and uh, really rewarding. It sounds very similar to your run retreat experience, that whole exploration. and yes. what, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that those are the two settings in which I can really find my own flow state. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as runners, I, I think that getting into that flow state where you just feel amazing and like you could go forever and that you're you know, what you're doing is effortless. Uh, you know, I find that in running sometimes and, and at the running retreats when we're with a great group of people in a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. I, I experience that from time to time and it's absolutely fabulous. Mm. And the only other time I really get into that total flow state of just uh, ease and focus and engagement and and, uh, and joy is while I'm writing So, yeah, there is definitely parallels there. Wow. Ever thought about writing a novel? Not a, well, it's funny, not so much a novel, but uh, uh, there is a story that's percolating uh, in my mind that I really want to find time to sit down and write that is based on a true story, Mm -hmm. based on an amazing woman that I I knew uh, back in Alberta who just has is an absolutely incredible story of um, survivorship mm-hmm. and personal growth. And she's a runner. She's a wolf biologist. And, and uh, she just has an incredible story of, of, of really being faced with some really big personal and health challenges and how she really drew from her, her, her instincts. Mm -hmm. Like she's a very instinctual person and how she's able to draw from that and her connection to wolves that Mm. we tend to think of as very instinctual beasts Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but also very very smart um, to really help her overcome some some really tough life challenges and she's just always been someone that I'm just really fascinated by and inspired by and she's someone that I I really want to tell her story so um, that's something that's that I would love to that's a story I'd like to dive into at some point (laughs) wow that sounds fascinating I'd love to read a book like that cool yeah so I encourage you to go and write it because it sounds wonderful and yeah what a great story and I think you'd be perfectly posed to tell it Mm. so so that's great Mm -hmm. was she somebody that you met when you were working out there yep yep Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she, she doesn't live there anymore, but uh, um, yeah, so she's someone I, I got to know, and, and then the, the Rocky Mountains make such a dramatic backdrop mm-hmm. to a story like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, of adventure and exploration, and uh, yeah. Well, extremes as well. Extremes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Wow, that's, that's so interesting. I, yeah, hmm. that sounds really, really great. Okay, well, I think actually I'd like for you to tell me, we kind of started off with the running retreats and you talked a little bit about your experience in Spain, but I'd like you to tell me, 
what you've got coming up and what you're excited about and maybe not just you know what's coming up in the next year or two but what what's on the horizon what are you envisioning for your company oh gosh yeah well coming up in the not too distant future mm-hmm. uh let's see 2020 is going to be our 10-year anniversary for wow, run the wild congratulations retreats. thank you yeah. it's really exciting mm-hmm. and um you know, for the first few years, it was really just sort of a, a side hustle, you know, uh, one or re- two retreats a year and and um, while I did other things. But uh, for the past few years, it's been more of a full-time focus. And, and so when we reach that 10-year milestone, I really want to make a point of of celebrating that, first of all, <laughs> and uh, and and really uh, incorporate some new ways in which to give back to the global running community. And I've got some ideas uh, of incorporating some uh, some philanthropic activities to what we do with the retreats. Mm. So, so between now and then, we're adding some new destinations. Potentially, um, they're still in the works, but our, our newest destinations are the, the Italian Dolomites, and Ireland, they're absolutely fantastic, and uh, and then continue to grow some of our popular retreats in Iceland and Moab. So these are really fantastic places, and and continue to to grow those programs to serve more runners. But then we, I really want to engage the all the different runners that have come to our retreats over the years in this effort to use their running as a way to to help someone else as well. Oh, yeah. You know, they know that running really means a lot to them and enriches their lives in a lot of ways. And so I'm exploring a few different opportunities to partner with some running-related philanthropic organizations, nonprofits, uh, that that are helping people use running to dramatically transform their lives. Like, mm. we think running helps us, you know, you know do things. Um, these are people in extreme situations uh, for whom going for a run could be like a rebellious action. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so there's some really amazing initiatives out there that uh, once I've really zeroed in on exactly who we'll be partnering with, I really look forward to sharing that with our community and saying, hey, here's how you can uh, contribute to this cause and, and really help have a bigger impact. And um, I think that, that that's an important part of, of any business is, is seeing how, how collectively uh, as an organization in partnership with our clients, we can, we can really make the world a better place and, uh, and really do more to, to give back. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love the the trail and ultra running community so much because it is so inclusive and people are so supportive of each other. So this is just taking it, taking that, which is at the yeah. core of it to a whole new level. That's that's wonderful. I love that. That's really really beautiful yeah. and it's so aligned too. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 So if somebody wants to run with you and they're they're looking at your different calendar of retreats that you got coming mm-hmm. up, 
how would you advise them as to, you know, which destinations? Is it just about, you know, what speaks to them? I know that you, you kind of cater to different levels, running levels with each retreat. Or what advice would you give to somebody that's listening to this and is curious about coming and running with you on one of the retreats on how to select a retreat for them? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And uh, so we, we do divide the retreats into three essentially three different levels uh because we want to make sure that that you that you are comfortable with with the the level of trail running um and uh the the environment because you know the, the the things like the weather can have a big impact or whether you're at high altitude or low altitude can also have a big impact so so typically for people who are beginner runners or you know don't do a lot of a lot of mileage or just maybe new to trail running we def- typically recommend starting with the Moab mindful running retreat mm-hmm. is a great place to start and um, we have different levels of that now we have our level one slash two Moab mindful running retreat which is a mix of levels but then we're also offering a Moab mindful running retreat that is purely for beginners, for people who are, who are really just getting started. And that's going to be more of a run walk program. Mm -hmm. So that's really great one for people too, who are coming, just coming back after a long layoff or a health issue or something like that. And then we have uh, quite a selection of level two retreats. So this is where this is suitable for people who, uh, who run, you know, a regular amount who, who, for whom it's not like an occasional thing, but who run, run fairly consistently, but maybe they don't consider themselves very fast, or maybe they never run on trails. So they don't really know how to deal with say technical terrain. Mm-hmm. Then a good choice for them could be the Moab mindful running retreat or the Mediterranean mindful running retreat in mm-hmm. Spain, or like the Ireland trail running and wellness retreat is another good option. But then for people who have some experience running on trails and really love being in the mountains and aren't afraid of, uh, you know, some potential weather, <laughs> if you don't mind dealing with some uh, rain and, and, you know, all the things that mountains can throw at us, then I would recommend uh, the Iceland Trail Running and Wellness Retreat or the Italian Dolomites. Right, but I see your Iceland retreat. retreat is sold out. <laughs> it is this year. Right. It is this year. Yeah. So that's why next year we're going to offer it twice. Okay. Exactly, because it's one of our fastest selling retreats and does tend to sell out fairly quickly this year sold out faster than ever so um so that's why we're going to do it twice next summer and uh we do it just in august because that's when there's typically the best weather um so in the last two years we've been incredibly lucky and had absolutely gorgeous weather in iceland so i like to think we've got some some good luck there yeah (laughs) yeah and any other uh, international retreats that you currently have in planning stages right now that you want to talk about or places that you're thinking about? Well, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely a few places that are that are potentials that we are researching right now. We're looking at um, Patagonia okay, yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. And also in the works is a, a retreat in Canada, probably in the Canadian Rockies since 
uh, as I've expressed, that's <laughs> near and dear to my heart. So, okay. yeah, so keep an ear out for other places like that. Oh, wonderful. Have you, did you write about, I know that you, somehow I think I saw an article somewhere that you wrote about Ireland. Have you written about, or yes. can people access uh, your articles on these destinations somewhere? That's right. Yeah, I recently wrote a piece for Trail Runner Magazine's website, all mm -hmm. about trail running in Ireland. Right. And uh, so that can be found on the Trail Runner website. Um, and I've written about running in Spain. Mm -hmm. That was that 2012 or 11 article. And that is also on the Trail Runner magazine website okay. and a lot of those articles too can be accessed from runwildretreats.com right just in your media section then yeah, yeah okay. that's right okay great well it's lots to explore and super duper exciting I can't wait to just watch as it continues to unfold and you know that you're exploring different places and growing your business and uh, doing more and more wonderful work um, just extremely inspiring. You know, you're living the life. It's like, I would say a lot of people would say this is like a dream job, right? That you've created yeah. here, right? Well, that's the thing is I, I, yeah, I really asked myself, I'm like, if I were to create my own business, it might as well be my dream job. And, yeah. and so I zeroed in on the two things that I love to do, which is run and travel. So mm -hmm. there you go. Right. Yeah. But it seems like the, you've kind of followed those things for your whole career yes yes it's so funny because for the longest time I didn't really see any consistency in my career path but now looking back everything that I have done up until this point uh has has helped prepare me for what I do now mm -hmm. and I uh, I recently spoke at a career fair for high schoolers and and shared a little bit of that that journey about how I could never have planned a career path right yeah this way it, yeah. it just it honestly just it happened very naturally and uh only came about because I was willing to listen to my gut every mm -hmm. once in a while mm -hmm. and and not really know where this was going to lead but mm -hmm. it felt like the right thing to do at the time and and so I I let myself follow the, my instincts and uh, see where it took me. And now here I am, you know, doing doing this amazing work. So I feel really pretty grateful for that. Yeah. Well, it obviously wasn't done according to any big master plan when you're out. That's and, right. <laughs> some That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know how you could plan. This is just amazing, right? How everything's worked yeah. out and how all of your skills just lend so well to creating an experience like this and, and how your own experience and your own healing journey is now mm -hmm. something that informs how you can guide others in theirs and, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I could have seen that as the the end of my running career or uh, a sign that I'm just, you know, not cut out for, uh, you know, having an active lifestyle of my own or I'm just, I'm you know, I'm a sick person or whatever, but I, I decided to make it, make it a positive rather than a negative and focus on what I can do instead of, uh, uh, you know, being sad about what I can't do. So right now, when you run, are you running 
purely for the joy of running? Are you running still because you know, well, I've got a retreat coming up that I'm leading that I've got to be able to feel strong (laughs) enough to run this? So how does that work exactly? Yeah, yeah. Well, after 20 plus years of of running to race and Mm -hmm. really focusing on running for fitness and uh, that sort of thing, it's really lovely now to... Uh, to to really just do what feels good from day to day and and be more unstructured with it and not to say that you have to have no structure in order to run mindfully but at this point in my life I'm enjoying the freedom of <laughs> having uh, no structure in in terms of my running and and just seeing what's going to serve me best today and doing whatever that is and. Um, so I, I do know that I've, I've always got another retreat coming up, and so I want to stay fit for that. Uh, but really, it's, it's about just doing what's going to feel good for me today, you know? Like, I, I just got back from Spain on Sunday, and so I'm feeling pretty jet-lagged today, and went out for a run yesterday and it, it kind of turned into more of a hike than a run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. So I, I, I decided to, to not feel guilty about that and just listen to my body and, and, um, and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the guilt for, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Who needs that? What's there, what's what purpose does that serve? That's yeah. right. Yeah. You spoke about going out of your known environment and going into different places. And mm-hmm. what I found, you know, the difference between road running and trail running is that you have to be much more focused on where you're stepping because it's so much easier to fall if you don't look at your feet and see what's in front of you right? Mm -hmm. Especially on technical trail. In that process of being extremely aware of your environment, how do you also be very aware of what's going on within you? Hmm. Well, I, I think that the process of, it's about, so one of the things I love about this mindfulness practice is that really it's about being purposeful with where you direct your attention. So say you've been in the office for half the day and you're going out for a run at lunch and and you're you head out for that run at lunch and your mind is just filled with all the the problems and issues that you're dealing with at work and you're just like ruminating about all those issues all those issues. Well, you're not really noticing what's going on around you, right? Cuz you're so caught up in those those thoughts and and stuff and it's it's really hard to to slow that down and so by taking kind of a mindful approach to our running you can say okay I can choose to either ruminate on all this stuff in my brain or I can redirect my attention to oh the beautiful trees that Mm -hmm. are around me right now Mm -hmm. Or I can, uh, or when you get on that technical trail, see, it's, it's kind of nice because it, 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 it forces you right. to redirect your attention to, ah, okay, I got to pay attention here to my footing, otherwise I'm going to land smack on my face. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the reasons why people find trail running so much more uh, engaging and they don't notice time go by as much. Because it requires you to focus your attention on the ground in, ahead of you. And so when your mind is just 
looking at those and, and thinking about how you're going to move over this rocky rudy section and that sort of thing, you don't notice the time go by. You don't ruminate on the thoughts that are looping through your head and you just get more present and focused. And that's, that's, that's mindful running. Yeah. You know, it's not about turning off your mind or having an empty mind or disassociating from the experience. It's actually about turning towards the experience and being more engaged with it uh, than you would otherwise. That's perfect. That answers a whole bunch of questions that I had and that I think I'd kind of written down as we were talking. <laughs> so awesome. I think we could just yeah. leave it I on hope- that note. That was wonderful response. Great. Yeah. Great. 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 Well, I really enjoyed that conversation with Eleanor. Has me dreaming about these wonderful places that she's leading people to and running there. You can go to the show notes to get links to her website and the Healthy Running Community and other things that we talked about in the show at www.leaderscalltoadventure.com forward slash 19. That's the number one nine. Stay tuned also for the next episode of Leaders Call to Adventure. We'll be moving away from the running theme and to some universal themes where we talk about topics that are pretty hot out there right now regarding race and our experience thereof. As always, I look forward to hearing from you, receiving your feedback, hearing your stories. If you feel to give the podcast a thumbs up on iTunes, a rating, or a review, you want to spend a few more minutes, I'd really appreciate it. Bye for now.